For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. From Meat Eater's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. If you live in South Carolina and you see a giant black and white lizard that looks like it might have salmonella, don't panic. It's a South American tegu lizard and the Department of Natural Resources wants to know about it. Like most exotic reptiles that invade natural habitats in North America, giant tegu lizards are brought to the U.S. as pets by people who don't know how to use Google. There's also a not-talked-about-enough industry of raising these potentially catastrophically harmful species here on American soil in states like, you guessed it, Florida. Now, when individuals realize their new pet can grow to be four feet long and weigh more than your average house cat, they dump them in the woods. Tegu lizards eat other reptiles and the eggs of ground-nesting birds like turkeys and quail, crocodiles, alligators, which means hunters should be especially keen to nip this invasive in the bud. Tegu lizards also carry salmonella in their feces, so, you know, don't go eating lizard poop. The DNR has received over 100 reported sightings of these gnarly-looking lizards in 14 different counties all across South Carolina. Officials have created an online reporting system, and they're asking for the public to submit a report whenever they see one. Big thanks to listener Jonathan Lawless for sending us this story. And if any of our South Carolina listeners have spotted a tegu lizard, let me know by sending me a note at ASKCAL at TheMeatEater.com. That's ASKCAL. This week, We're knocking the dust off Christmas break with the crime desk, legislation, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And just to get right to the point here, I'm trying to wrap up a really great project on elk hoof disease in Washington State. If you're listening and are holding depredation tags and wouldn't mind myself and the crew tagging along for the harvest of an infected elk, a diseased elk, please write in and let me know as soon as possible. 
whether you're a landowner with a transferable permit or you yourself have a permit in your hand and are willing to subject yourself to me, right in to A-S-K-C-A-L, that's askcalatthemeateater.com. Outside of that, I'm so darned excited to get Snort back out in the field for ducks and geese. We've not had a real deal hunt for months, so I'm planning it uh, to be a have weather be will travel type of uh, end to the bird season. If you want to see a great hunt from last season, please head over to the Meat Eater YouTube channel and take a look. Also, don't miss the Alua fishing episode on the Big Island. It is a beautiful show. You'll love it. And to plant the seed early, we've been working hard on the 2024 BHA Rendezvous, which takes place April 18 through 20, 2024 at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds, St. Paul, Minnesota. Line up a Minnesota turkey trip and hit up the Ronde. I'll see you there. Don't miss it. Don't even be late. My goodness, we got a lot of ground to cover. So moving on to the crime desk. A drone operator in Pennsylvania was issued four citations last month for what game warden said was an illegal use of a drone, but he claims he was doing it to help a hunter recover a wounded buck. Joshua Wingeroth operates Wingy Drone Services, and one of those services is deer recovery. According to a report in Lancaster Farming, Wingeroth was called out to the Welsh Mountain Nature Preserve by a hunter who claimed to have shot and wounded a deer but game wardens rolled up a short time later and slapped him with two counts of unlawful devices and methods, and one count each of disturbance of game and spotlighting. Wardens say Wingeroth disturbed an antler deer while operating the drone and used an artificial light from the drone to locate deer, which is illegal during a general rifle season. If convicted of all charges, Wingeroth is looking at a maximum fine of $2,500 and three months in jail. States have different laws when it comes to drones and deer recovery. Some allow it explicitly, while others just don't prohibit it. Pennsylvania law states that it is illegal to use electronic devices while hunting, including while trying to recover game. But as we covered in episode 228, some say this prohibition should be lifted. They say that drones can be a valuable tool when hunters are looking for a wounded animal and that fish and game agencies should make an exception to the no electronics rule, just as they do with predator calls and trail cameras. We'll see how this legal case plays out, but it wouldn't be at all surprised to see a bill in the Pennsylvania legislature this year that addresses this issue specifically. Write in and let me know what you think. You've probably picked up on the fact that uh, I personally don't uh, find that we need more technology in hunting for the sake of our actual hunting skills, but I am wide open to other opinions. And uh, if you got a strong one, well-articulated one, Please write in and let me know what you think. We'll get her up here on the podcast. Missouri game wardens say they are shell-shocked after finding 15 white-tailed deer with their heads cut off and bodies left to rot. The deer were found this year in Wayne and Reynolds counties, and wardens have arrested two suspects. These yahoos haven't been named, and it's unclear exactly how they managed to kill so many deer, but we can draw a few conclusions based on their charges. We know, for example that they're being charged with spotlighting deer at night and shooting them from the roadway. They've also been charged with trespassing and wanton waste. The Missouri Department of Conservation posted an image on Facebook showing nine of the 15 buckheads, and any hunter would have been happy to take one of them home. And that's what poaching is. It's stealing from hunters. I don't believe that poachers are hunters, but, you know, that's a whole different argument. Thanks to the two people in custody, hunters won't have the chance to harvest any of these 15 bucks in the upcoming season. Moving on to Virginia, 
The Department of Natural Resources is looking for someone who shot and wounded a bald eagle. On Christmas Eve, the Southwest Virginia Wildlife Center took in a juvenile eagle that had sustained a gunshot wound to its wing. The bird had evaded capture for over a week and had been living on deer carcasses. As a side note, most people don't know that scavenging forms a significant portion of even a healthy bald eagle's diet. They hunt fish and small mammals, but the Smithsonian reports that they eat carrion willingly and are notorious for robbing osprey of their catches. That's no excuse for shooting one, but it does kind of make you wish we'd chosen a different national symbol. I don't necessarily, you know, agree with that. Everybody likes a good janitor, right? Anyway, when wildlife doctors x-rayed the eagle's wing, they concluded that the break was too severe and they euthanized it. It's no wonder it didn't want to be captured. If you know someone who took a pot shot at an eagle on late December in or around Wythe County, Virginia, give your local game warden a call. It would be great to give this story a happier ending. An Ohio man who shot what could be the world's third biggest typical whitetail is now under investigation for poaching. Details are still scarce, but the Ohio Department of Natural Resources put out a press release saying that they've seized the antlers and cape of a giant deer shot by Christopher C.J. Alexander. Outdoor Life reported that the buck was green scored at 206 and 7 eighths inches. Green scoring, if you're not familiar, is just scoring the antlers, taping the length of the bone in accordance with the Boone Crockett measuring system before it's gone through an official drying period. If you are like me and have never uh, harvested something worth making it official, I guess that they're all official. Anyway, big issues with scoring systems. I digress. Antlers have to drive for 60 days before they are scored because they will shrink slightly after the deer is killed. Anyway, Alexander told Outdoor Life that he shot the deer within the boundaries of a 30-acre property owned by his sister, but he was strangely hesitant to have the deer officially scored by Boone and Crockett scorers. Now, the DNR has a reason to question his story. Their press release says they have launched an investigation because they got a tip that Alexander failed to obtain the lawfully required written permission prior to hunting on private property. It's possible Alexander's own sister is narking him out, but I think it's more likely straight across the property boundaries chasing this deer. As Pat Durkin says, big bucks make stupid people. Of course, we don't know yet how this investigation will conclude. Maybe a jealous neighbor is trying to make Alexander's life difficult. Let's hope that's the case. Most up-to-date update on this thing is the buck has been confiscated. The statement that goes along with it says that it is confiscated until the investigation is done. So we'll come back to that one. Which of you listening right now took a class in school about Family Finances 101? No one? Yeah, me neither. Just like the importance of a will or college savings plan or even life insurance or estate planning, We have to know these things, but how do we figure it all out? That's why I'm excited to partner with Fabric by Gerber Life. Listen, one of the few things expected of you in life is to not let other people pick up after you. That's why I have life insurance, to make sure my stuff is taken care of even when I'm gone. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash cal. That's meetfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash cal. 
Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Moving on to the legislative desk. New York Governor Kathy Hochul signed a bill last month that bans so-called wildlife killing contests. The bill prohibits anyone from organizing or participating in a hunting contest, quote, with the objective of taking or hunting wildlife for prizes or other inducement or for entertainment. The bill provides an exception for deer, turkey, and bear, but your local big buck contest wasn't the target of the activists behind this legislation. As the Humane Society makes clear in their gleeful press release, This is mostly about coyote contests. The animal rights group has sent undercover videographers to expose these contests at least twice in New York. Of course, they aren't really exposing anything since the contests were legal at the time and they were open to the public. But they did manage to get images of dead coyotes, which was apparently enough to get coyote calling contests banned. The Empire State is now the 10th state to ban these contests since California became the first to do so in 2014. We covered this bill all the way back in episode 219 when the legislature passed it, but it's been sitting on the governor's desk for months. Hunters had hoped she might veto it, but instead she decided to sign it three days before Christmas. For those of you living in the 40 other states where coyote contests are still legal, get ready. The animal rights crowd isn't shy about their intentions. They want to see coyote contests banned in all 50 states. So you can bet you'll see similar legislation in your neck of the woods. Keep tuning in. We'll keep you posted. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, New Hampshire state legislature is considering a bill that would remove gray squirrels from the list of game animals. Current law allows squirrel hunting from the beginning of September to the end of January, and hunters must obtain a license before going after their daily bag limit of five squirrels. Under this new bill, hunters could go after squirrels year-round with no daily bag limit. I'm always skeptical when politicians start messing around with game regulations, even when they want to expand hunting opportunities. Many states have a year-round open season on squirrels, so it's not totally unreasonable for New Hampshire to do the same. 
but I haven't seen anything from the bill's sponsors about the state of New Hampshire's gray squirrel population, so it's unclear exactly why they chose to introduce this bill now. But there is one animal rights activist who thinks she knows. According to local media, Christina Schneider thinks this bill was written with revenge in mind. One of the bill's sponsors, a guy by the names of James Spillane, was infamously removed from the House Fish and Game Committee in 2019. He got the boot because he responded to a vegan animal rights activist by posting a photo of a squirrel he shot off his bird feeder with a 50 caliber muzzleloader. You can imagine what the image looks like. To make matters worse, he shot the animal outside of squirrel season and then claimed to have done it because the squirrel was invading his chicken coop. Now animal rights activists say that Spillane is trying to eliminate squirrel season altogether, presumably, so he can obliterate his neighborhood squirrels in peace. If you care to weigh in on this one, the bill is SB548-FN, and we'll post a link at TheMeatEater.com forward slash Cal. Now we've been uh, hammering on Colorado a lot recently, but I can't stress enough how important it is for Coloradans to pay attention to what Governor Polis is doing. Listener Casey Martin sent me an article published in The Fence Post, an outlet that covers agricultural news. The author claims to have obtained a document that outlines Governor Polis's priorities for Colorado parks and wildlife. He wants to introduce wolverines to the state within the next two years and add bag limits on fur bearers and curtail trapping. In fact, according to this document, quote, the governor is also supportive of ending fur trapping altogether. It is unclear exactly how the wolverine reintroduction and the trapping ban are related, but it's easy to imagine how the former might lead to the latter between the wolf reintroduction, the wolverine reintroduction, and the proposed ban on mountain lion hunting. It's easy to see why elk hunters and fur trappers in Colorado are getting extremely nervous. And it's easy to see why this whole guard the gate BS is not going to cut it in this instance. Okay? You have got to be proactive. If you are a trapper, if you are someone who likes to hunt mountain lions, you have got to start writing well-written, well-thought-out op-eds and getting them consistently printed in newspapers in your state. This is about affecting the voting non-hunting crowd, the folks in the middle, not the anti-people, not the pro-people, but the folks in the middle. And you got to tell them why hunting and trapping is important to you. Odds are it's not important to you because you just like killing and hurting shit, okay? Tell them about the food. Tell them about the sustainability of the practice. Tell them why it matters to you and your family, the bonds that you forge out there in the woods, all the good things that people just don't get to hear about. Moving on to the conservation desk. The Biden administration announced a plan last month to help conserve America's old growth forests. The administration is directing the U.S. Department of Agriculture to amend all 128 forest land management plans across the country to conserve and restore old growth forests in the national forest system. According to a press release, this will provide consistent direction across the Forest Service on how to conserve and restore old growth forest conditions across the nation and marks the first time that the Forest Service has adopted a nationwide forest plan amendment to guide new management direction on all national forests at once. Defining what is and is not an old growth forest is difficult. Old forests in New Jersey look a lot different from old forests in Oregon. Just like old trees at 10,000 feet look a lot different than old trees at 3,000 feet. Regional forest management agencies have adopted a variety of definitions, but the Department of Agriculture recently released a report that offers guidelines that can be used anywhere in the country. 
The report explains that old forests are in the later stages of stand development and include large trees. The accumulation of large, dead, woody material, a high number of canopy layers, and complex ecosystems, these are forests that have been around for hundreds, sometimes thousands of years. The USDA also says that old-growth forests are distinguished by their ecosystem services and social, cultural, and economic values. The people living in the area have imparted cultural and even spiritual significance to these forests. Local economies rely on the ecosystem for things like recreation, and it plays a central role in the area's heritage. Some of this is a little too mushy for you scientific types, but I think it's good to acknowledge the many different ways we rely on forests and why we love to visit them. Old-growth forests have gotten a lot of coverage recently for their ability to capture carbon dioxide and help with climate change, but that's only one of the many reasons to protect them. They provide habitat for thousands of species of plants and animals, and they hold clean water. Plus, they're just too cool to have on the landscape. Some of the sequoias in California have been around since before Socrates was annoying people with weird questions or Alexander the Great was conquering the then-known world. It's amazing to see something so old, and I'm glad the USDA is spending time and resources to make sure these ecosystems are protected. This will also be an opportunity for you to get involved. Amending all 128 forest land management plans is no small task, and government agencies will be required to seek public comment. When they do, be sure to weigh in. Kentucky residents received an early Christmas present this year when the Department of Fish and Wildlife announced the largest conservation easement in the state's history. Working in partnership with the Nature Conservancy and the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the state is permanently protecting 55,000 acres for conservation and public access. The expansive plot builds on the ongoing Cumberland Forest Project, a 253,000-acre conservation project meant to protect Appalachia's diverse ecosystems. In a two-part venture, the easement permanently protects the acreage in Bell, Knox, and Leslie counties from any commercial development securing its place as an ecological hotspot and securing its place in the future as an outdoor destination. Kentucky has the largest elk herd east of the Mississippi, and this plot in the southeastern part of the state is right in the heart of where those elk are living. In 100 years, we may look back on this as the beginning of the Kentucky elk hunting mecca. The bluegrass state is off to a good start. Moving on to the recycling desk. Christmas has come and gone, but some of you are still holding on to that dry, needle-shedding tree. I get it. It's tough to let go of the holiday magic. But we're already a week into the new year, and this is getting embarrassing for you. The good news is that you can dispose of your Christmas tree and help local wildlife at the same time. Many state game agencies offer tree drop-off programs. You bring your old tree to a drop-off location, and biologists use those trees for fish habitat. They tie a bunch of them together, weigh them down, and sink them in the bottom of a lake or pond. That creates excellent cover for fish and other animals like snakes, turtles, and frogs. When the trees are placed in shallow water, they also offer places for birds to perch and look for food. State agencies will also sometimes mark the locations of their underwater Christmas trees, and if you ask nicely, they may tell you where those are. For the next two or three years, it'll be a great place to go after crappie, perch, and other tasty fish. So there's a hot tip. Get your new year off to a great start. You can contribute to a state fish-attracting device. Only donate your natural trees. You don't want a plastic tree floating around in your local lake for the next 10,000 years. On that note, also be sure to remove all ornaments, tinsel, and other decorations. As much as you enjoy that Santa Claus ornament you got from your great Aunt Betty, the fish won't feel the same. 
Donating your tree to wildlife takes more effort than leaving it out on the curb, but the holiday season generates too much trash already. As your final act of Christmas charity, why don't you do something that will help the environment rather than pollute it? Plus, you might someday catch a fish that was living around the tree you donated. Now that's what I call a Christmas miracle. Kevin! What did you do to my room? Thanks so much for listening. Remember to write in to A-S-K-C-A-L, that's askhal at themeateater.com, and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. You know we appreciate it. On top of that, remember to track down your local steel dealer by going to www.steeldealers.com to find a local knowledgeable steel dealer near you. They'll get you set up with what you need, and they won't try to send you home with what you don't. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel, gum, and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more.